Are you curious about design thinking, but you don't know where to start? Then you are in the right space. Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to Design Thinking, an A to Z, a year-long series of bite-sized, real-life examples, do's and don'ts, tried and tested go-to techniques to help get you started. I am Tracy Sharp, a former design engineering director turned mentor and coach that uses design thinking principles to help others design a new life with purpose. And I'm Lucy Patterson, a workshop facilitator and business trainer who uses design thinking to help organisations solve problems and make better business decisions. We're two Northern Lasses with a passion for design thinking, for your business, for your projects and for your life. And today we're bringing you the letter R and we will be talking about R for reflection. And I can tell you up front that Tracy is pretty excited about this episode, to be honest with you. I'm so excited about it, but like like offline and definitely all our notes, we are both very excited about this. Um, reflection and reframing has been such a game changer for me, especially in the last few years of my life. And it works in so many different areas. It's such a key part of what I do as a coach and in my workshops. And it's a tool which is massively underused and overlooked, overlooked but it's so, so simple. And I want to sort of kick off by just sort of sharing a story about my own um, experience. So like after I graduated from my coaching qualification last year, um, I enrolled in a program called The Business of Coaching run by the wonderful coach Jo Lott. And please check her out on LinkedIn. And she also has a podcast as well if you are a coach and you're trying to figure it all out. So I was training and also um, in a group co coaching program. And here I learned about things like marketing, sales funnels, networking. And like every week we would have an end of week reflection. And it was three questions. Um, first one was, what went well this week? Second one was, what could have been better? And what will you do differently next week? And it's so simple. Right? It's so simple. But the first question honestly saved my business because for ages I was getting so stressed out about trying to be successful overall that I didn't really stop to reflect how far I had come. And I didn't, I just wasn't acknowledging all the little wins along the way. And I see this coming up all the time with other people. And it's good to think about the big picture. And I'm definitely not going to say that you shouldn't. Um, but if you don't appreciate the journey, then you will lose sight about what is happening along the way, which can give you some clues about directions or redirects that you could take, basically. So what regular reflections have you got, Lucy? Well, I've got, I've got to return to those questions that you've just shared, really, because they're not dissimilar to the reflection questions that I use for myself at the end of each week. So I would always ask myself, what did you do that worked? What do you do that didn't work? And what are you going to try next week that moves you out of your comfort zone? And whenever I ask this, these questions, I kind of give myself these little instructions alongside so you can almost hear my voice asking my question. Mm -hmm. And the little, you know, the, the, the little um, guy who sits on my shoulder kind of answering them and, and telling me instructions. So when I ask, what do you do that worked? I would then say, OK, so do more of this. So you know how I love my neuroscience and talking about how our brains work. So I basically like to sort of root any reflections that I do in a bit of science, at least. Um, and we're going to be talking more about neuroscience in our episode V for visualisation, which will be coming up in a few more episodes time. So basically, when you do more of what works, you're concentrating your efforts on the things that are working and the things that are going well. And it's scientifically proven that if we see or think or experience good things, 
we then experience and we see and we think sort of more good things so more good things start to happen mm. so it's this way of kind of bringing more good to you that would seem like a complete no-brainer to me so it's it's kind of like you know when you buy a new car and suddenly everybody has the same car as you that you see mm. or you buy you know something in a new color and suddenly you see that color everywhere around you and it's called the Bader Meinhof um phenomenon and it's also known like as the frequency illusion mm. or the recency illusion. And it occurs when after learning or noticing something new, essentially you start to encounter the same things more frequently, frequently, and it seems to happen out of nowhere. Mm. And it's really just a type of cognitive bias and it's easily explained by various different psychological mechanisms. So when you focus your attention on something, on something specific, your brain becomes more tuned to it. So that heightens your awareness and perception. And it's not that the thing suddenly appears more often. It's just that your brain starts filtering out other relevant and irrelevant information and prioritizes what you're paying attention to. So being as we're essentially trying to improve our mindset whenever we're using these kind of reflection questions, the Biedermeinhof phenomenon, it's, it's basically just a cracking aspect of human perception and human attention. And it highlights how our minds essentially are influenced by what we focus on and what we consider relevant at a given time, which essentially is mindset. <laughs> mm -hmm. So my second question would always be, what did you do that didn't work? And a much shorter explanation um, of the instruction that I had, because it's really simple, just do less of it. <laughs> So if you've always done what you've if you always do rather what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always had. It's not rocket science. It's just that if something isn't working, it's time to switch it up. So then I move on to where are you? Uh, what are you going to try next week, and what moves you out of your your comfort zone? And I think first the imposter syndrome and do it anyway is always my instruction for this question. I'm a design thinker, so I always like to have a little experiment or a little prototyping kind of on the go in the background. And usually they come from the answers that I arrive at when I ask myself this question. So it's, I'm going to repeat it again. It's, I think it's worth repeating at this point that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always had because the principle applies here as well. So if you're sitting and you're comfortably numb in your comfort zone because you feel safe, um, you know, then you never challenge yourself or your business to see what you're actually capable of. And I'm not saying there's anything wholly wrong with that. Some people want something that is simple and that is exactly works well for them. It's just not for me. Um, and it's maybe something for, you know, for our listeners to consider um, whenever they start to feel a tad stagnant because we're talking about reflection. I feel as though we have to mention at least briefly the need to also reframe certain things. And I know you certainly used the, the, the word reframe earlier because they kind of tied quite closely together. So if you remember, the instruction on my reflection question was face the imposter syndrome and do it anyway. And my reframe of imposter syndrome, just in case it helps anybody out there, is that if I wasn't passionate about my work and I didn't care deeply for the success of my clients, the success of my own business, that I was happy in my life, then I wouldn't suffer with imposter syndrome. Hmm. Because imposter syndrome essentially comes from a place of wanting to do a job, a good job, uh, wanting to be the best you can. Um, so, you know, like I said, I just embrace it, face it head on. And for me, it's that knowledge that I'm operating at the edge of my comfort zone 
and basically in my imposter syndrome zone. Um, then she was asked to creative and ahead of the curve. And I know, Tracy, that you have some strong thoughts and opinions around imposter syndrome. So, I mean, any reflections you'd like to share that can help listeners deal with that? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, you know, I could talk about imposter syndrome all day, um, but I'm, I'm not going to here. Um, but if you do want to know more about imposter syndrome, then you can follow me on LinkedIn and I will be banging on about it quite often. Um, so there are like five main types of imposter syndrome and um, they are perfectionist, super person, soloist, natural genius and the expert. Um, and two out of those five can be thwarted, so to say if you're using regular reflection. So the perfectionist and the super person are two of the like the most destructive types of imposter syndrome that I suffer from like probably most often. And if you are regularly reflecting on what you've achieved, like even in the previous year, could be previous month, previous quarter, then you are more likely to just like surprise yourself and you'll be able to change your focus from a future goal to the past and present wins. And it just, it basically kind of like really, it really does help like reframe like where you where you're at because it's not just about I'm not number one it's like rather than saying to yourself I'm not number one you're sort of saying like but look at all these other times I was number one like or look at like, these other look at all like how far I've come from like a student to like where you are like maybe the, if you're like a manager or whatever it is that you're kind of like game aiming for it really does help you take a little moment yeah I know it's not directly related to uh you know to reflection but I did think it was something that a lot of people kind of struggle with and while we had that opening it was something that was good to, to sort of add but back yeah. reflection kind of definitively back to reflection <laughs> um, I would love to hear more about your personal experience of reflection Tracy because you said at the start of this episode really quite vehemently that it basically saved your business yeah. and it sounds to me like it possibly saved your sanity too yep <laughs> yes yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think if, if, if anybody, anybody kind of follows me, then like, I'm, I'm very, very open about like what's kind of happened in the last couple of years. But like, basically, I've like completely changed my career. I've basically sort of like pivoted. I'm still in the same world, but I've pivoted to kind of different directions and I've expanded my world. But yeah, I wanted to sort of share two great reflections, which were so important to me, like definitely this year. Um, and so I was, I was juggling a million things. Um, with my business when I returned to the UK in January 2023 and I got to kind of like a point where I realized actually I really need to give myself stability and and therefore I had to really choose what to do because like if I needed stability that came with a full-time job which I've now found then basically I had to kind of ask myself and um, my, my, my friend my coach um, my friend Maya um, she asked me, she said, what is exciting for you? And what do you need to let go of? Which are kind of similar to your reflection questions as well that you kind of mentioned as well. But what it kind of, what I kind of realized was that the things that I was most excited about were the things that I previously tried to shy away from. And so, yeah, which is so interesting. And I realized that what was exciting for me were the projects that I had on design thinking. So like this was a massive chunk of what we were like, you know, what we were doing with our collaboration. And um, 
there's all this other stuff that I was trying to shoehorn myself into and I was trying to shoo away like shy away from like the kind of corporate ways of integrating design and engineering so I've kind of like pivoted away from that world um and now like I I did a talk recently um it was a women in innovation talk and I and one of the things that I talked about was following the white rabbit so to speak. And so now I follow the things which are exciting for me and that I am curious about. So do you credit your ability to reflect and then reframe your experiences as directly linked to your sort of resilience and determination then? Thank you very much for saying that I'm resilient and determined. Thank you very much. Lovely little you certainly are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and what I would sort of say is like, I think it's that the, the awareness of the power of reflection means that I know when to pick it up as a tool. And so like, you know, there's loads of different tools out there that I use for being resilient. And I don't really, I wouldn't ever, ever define myself as resilient, but, um, but like things like counseling, which I've talked about before, um, mindfulness exercises, like um, mantras, journaling, coaching, like these are things, these are certain things that I tune into and like I, I pick up as a tool to use. Um, so that kind of that overall as a um, as a series of techniques is what helps me with resilience. But I think my determination just comes from my personal drive basically just and it comes from me as a person and that's just like a a muscle that I kind of flex all the time yeah and so but the, I think from like uh from a design thinking perspective um so I I dug out um our favorite author um Michael Lerick so like please watch out for um it's for Michael Lerick in another episode uh, to learn more about him and so I, I think I it's very very well leafed these days and it's the um design thinking toolbox book that he has and there are loads of great tools for reflection that are really worth talking about and um, after most workshops that I facilitate, I use um, something called I Like, I Wish, I Wonder. Um, and it's so much more positive and constructive to use rather than what you like or what you didn't like about uh, a, partic a particular workshop or experience, because generally it, it sparks people to be a bit more creative and then it, it helps to kind of provide solutions rather than kind of collecting criticisms. Um, what reflect um, tools have you got up your sleeve, Lucy? Um, well, for me, I, whenever I'm reflecting, I always use the Pareto principle um, or the 80-20 rule. Mm. Um, and simply put, this means that for most outcomes, 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes. So essentially what I'm wanting to ensure is that I'm concentrating any efforts I'm making within life, within business, doing 20% of the stuff that brings in 80% of the good, you know, that, that brings in 80% of the business or brings in 80% of my happiness um, factor, whatever it means, you know, solves 80% of the problems I may encounter or supports 80% of the decisions I need to make. Um, and so that's kind of personally how I like to look at it. And then when I'm looking for my team, um, I use exercises such as Rosebud Thorn or Glad Mad Sad. Um, I just like the alliteration with a lot of these things. <laughs> um, but again, they're not dissimilar to the questions that we've already mentioned. Um, but basically, Rosebud Thorn allows you to get a bit more visual when reflecting and encourages, for me anyway, certainly encourages participation from all of my team. 
So it encourages them to reflect on a specific project that we've been working through. So at the end of each month, myself and my team, we jump into Miro to do this, um, but you can just as easily do it using a pad and pen. We divide, um, you know, divide a paper into three sections. The rows you would assign to something that went well. The thorn would represent something that didn't go so well or that you, you know, you encountered challenges around. And the bud is all about the future and the potential ideas for improvement. As I say, we've got this ready to go in Miro simply because it allows us to kind of track changes month on month. And but but it also allows us to ensure that the process of reflection and being included in the team is accessible to everybody. Some people draw their thoughts on there, others write, just write the bullet points. Some create storyboard of concepts, but it means that all team members get heard, not just the loudest or the leader, which obviously me uh, <laughs> have been known to um, project, shall we say, my opinions onto people previously. So we then use that as a system and that as a process to then chat through insights as a group with each member getting an allotted amount of time. Yeah. So, yeah, it is really simple. Um, Glad Mad Sad works exactly the same. Team members identify aspects of the work that they've completed during the month um, that makes them glad, aspects that got them sad or had them frustrated, and then aspects that got them a bit mad or had them a bit upset. And this reflection exercise in particular helps address issues and kind of build on successes for future projects. It also really helps with team building because it gives them a space to explain to other people how their actions may have impacted on the way things have gone. Because very often within a team, the things that have made them glad, mad or sad are not actually things, um, but they're the actions of other people, me included, um, you know, which is often an area that's not otherwise acknowledged when you're working as a team. So I suppose, as is true with a lot of the exercises we've shared during this um, and during any other of the podcast episodes, they're only effective if you are actually willing to be open, honest and receptive to learning from their experiences. Um, but I mean, when you're open and honest, reflection exercises, you know, can really help foster a culture of continuous improvement, you know, your own business growth, personal growth. Um, and it all works within the design thinking process and it works for individuals personally as well as teams within a business. Um, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question on that one. Um, so in, in terms of like using, like adopting that tool, um, do you keep like previous, um, do you keep previous sessions that you've had so that people can kind of like, how do you kind of structure it? And then are you, are you having, what kind of, how do you facilitate those conversations? We can call previous sessions um, of any of the reflection exercises because we can see then whether there are particular issues or particular topics that come up on a regular basis. And we can say, OK, we, we dealt with this once. This is how we work through it. It's come up again. That clearly didn't work. So mm -hmm. let's prototype and let's test another way of dealing with that. And that's basically, I guess it's almost like that continuous improvement. We almost use it as like a bit of a Kaizen tool as we... Uh, as we move through um, the projects and things that we have on. Mm, that, no, that's really awesome. I mean, I think, um, how did you, how did you cultivate that feeling of safety to like, to be open, like open, honest and receptive? Like, how did you start that off? So how would you advise a team to do that? I would, well, first of all, I had to be that way myself. Mm. I'm lucky, you know, we're a small team. Um, there's, there's four of us and, and two external people um, that jump in quite regularly at the moment, but 
I had to be open and honest. And to be fair, I am one of those people who can probably be accused of being too open and honest. <laughs> Sometimes um, I think I regularly in conversations to people, I think I did this to yourself offline this morning, Trish. Like, <laughs> Sorry, too much information. But... <laughs> And I just kind of warn people that that information is coming. I don't actually stop giving it. Um, you know, they just get a warning. And I think that when you know that you're working with, um, I, I, I still can't get used to calling myself a leader. That still doesn't seem mm. right. I need to reframe that probably somewhere. But when you're working with a leader who will be quite honest in what they've struggled with, as well as what they've enjoyed or what's going well, then I think that that makes all the difference. Mm. Um and because as each team members come on, we've started this, even though we're a small team, there's no kind of wait for, oh, crikey, I've got this huge team now and now I need to think of something. It's just been ingrained in in the way that we work yeah. from day one, really. Yeah, no, that's great. I think I think if you have that culture already there and, and it, it always... Uh, just because I'm like I'm quite curious about like um like thriving cultures and like what constitutes it and it's generally about behavior and like it really does come from the top so and I think it's really great that if you already have that rhythm and that routine that when someone else kind of comes in it's just like hey this is how we are and um yeah I think it I think that you also have to show um real strength as a leader to be able to accept these challenges, because I think that you know some people, I'm sure it's probably come up quite a lot with the the the, the glad sad, the glad mad sad, is that it would be quite personal and it could be potentially directed at you. Um, so I think it's uh, not everybody is secure enough in themselves to be able to do that. Yeah, it's been very much about me also bringing a sort of a zero tolerance policy mm. to not getting too personal. So we're not kind of criticising somebody for, you know, the way they speak or, you know, personal things. Mm. It's very much about, OK, you took this action and it impacted in this particular way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there is a balance. There is that sort of line that you know, that doesn't need crossing. But I think that the fact that we are then reflecting on these things repeatedly then almost creates this natural framework where people kind of feel safe, know what the boundaries are, know how far they can push them and know that they've got somebody who will actually immediately step in and say, uh-uh, that's not right. Yep. If that's a question we need to have, you know, a conversation we need to have elsewhere, let's take that elsewhere. But this is not for, you know, this is not what the reflection purpose is for. Yeah. Um, but it really has. Um, people have really realised that even by just being kind of half an hour late and getting something to somebody else, that has an impact on their day when it, all of us are working remotely. You know, we don't sort of get into the office all in one go. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it works for us. Works for us. <laughs> no, 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 and thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for answering that one. I just wanted to be like, hey, let's have a quick chat about that one. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it seems, though, I mean, the, the common theme through all of these sort of tools or exercises that we've sort of, it takes us back to those three basic questions that we started. Yeah. And all of these other tools are providing the same framework, but within a slightly different creative analogy. So the key is just simply finding one that works best for you. Yes, but again, again, to layer that on, it's the three, same three questions, but it's about having that power, like being able to leverage and utilize the power of vulnerability as well. Like yeah, if you're yeah. like willing to be vulnerable, willing to, which allows other people to be vulnerable as well. 
Yeah, without coming across to Brene Brown, but yes, vulnerability, <laughs> powerful tools for growth. Yeah, no, exactly. If, if Brene Brown is listening, then please be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no desperation there at all from either yeah. of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite <laughs> but, open yeah, we'd we'd really love though to hear your reflections on this episode. So as ever, feel free to connect with myself, Lucy Patterson, and my reflection-loving co-host Tracy Sharp over <laughs> on LinkedIn. We're always open to new connections and to the interesting discussions they can generate. And as always, if you've got any questions or queries, please do feel free to drop an email to designthinkingaz at gmail.com because we're always happy to answer any queries and to signpost you towards any of the resources that we've mentioned during the podcast. Uh, yeah, so any resources mentioned will be included in our Amazon Associates page and we'll be including a link for that in the episode blurb. So please join us next time on the A to Z of Design Thinking, where we'll be talking about connecting with your audience through the magic of storytelling. See you then. Bye.